can one person fix a relationship? It is an extremely common question, especially nowadays. In this episode, I'm actually going to be sharing with you a speech that I recently gave to a group of moms. I was invited to something called Mum Life that happens here in Franklin, Tennessee, and I was able to go and share with about 80 to 100 moms some answers to that question. So whether or not you are married or single, the information that you learn in this episode can be applied to many different types of situations, especially romantic ones, but even when it comes to relationships with your kids or other family members or even your friends. Can one person fix a relationship? You're about to find out. Let's dive in. Physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. These are the four areas of attraction, or as us insiders like to call it, the pies. Join me, Kimberly Beam Holmes, as we speak with other experts around the world on how to become the most attractive that you can be. Create confidence and find happiness. We will teach you how. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. People ask me all the time, Kimberly, which area of my pies should I focus on first? And the answer to that question is the one where you need to see the most growth. That is why I have created an attraction assessment. This free assessment is designed to help you learn what areas of attraction you should be working and focusing on first. This will be the foundation of your journey to becoming a more attractive person to your spouse, to your friends and family, but most of all, to yourself. Click the link in the show notes to take the free assessment today. I first met Petra seven years ago. And Petra at that time had been for two years trying to figure out how to fix her marriage. Petra was living in California, and her husband, by the time I started speaking with her, had actually just recently moved overseas to just get away from her, to get away from her, to get away from her two kids. And as I said, she'd been fighting for two years trying to figure out, how can I fix this? How can I do this when it seems like everything I've tried hasn't worked and everything I've tried has been hopeless? Petra, or Petra, what she ultimately was asking me is a question that many people are asking right now. And it's the question of, can one person fix a marriage? We know from looking at the Google search terms that this phrase in particular is one of the most popular ones that married people are typing in. And we see it increasing dramatically over the past 18 to 24 months as well. And Knowing the size of this room, knowing the statistics, which I'll get into in just a minute, there are probably some of you in here asking this question yourself. You're not alone. Or you definitely probably know someone who's asking this question about their own relationship, and they're not alone either. A couple of months ago, Marriage Helper actually did a research study with a well-known research group called Barna Research. They do a lot of research specifically in the Christian community as well. And we were looking at how how are marriages faring right now after the past 12 to 18 months. And here's what our search results showed us. One out of five married people, so about 20%, are not satisfied in their marriages right now. 
And there's another 20% on top of that that are only somewhat satisfied, leaving four out of 10 marriages, 40% of us married people who we're just not thriving. We're trying to just survive. Women are more likely to be unsatisfied than men, or at least they're more likely to say that they're unsatisfied. We know that women are more likely to actually file for divorce. They are typically the first ones to do that. Women are the ones who tend to start fights more than their male counterparts. That's just because we're passionate ladies. (laughs) And we know that women have a very deep felt need, just as men do, to feel loved, accepted, and respected inside of our marriages. So then the question becomes... How can one person fix a marriage when there's two people? How can one person actually turn things around and make it work? It was the question that Petra had. It's the question many of us have. And I'm going to share with you today the same thing that I shared with her seven years ago. No matter where you are, whether you're simply looking to strengthen your marriage, that's great. If you're looking to fix it, it's just not what you want it to be, but you're not also not in the place of crisis right now. Or if you're looking to save it, what I go through today is applicable to you. But also, if you have already divorced or are in the middle of a divorce or are a single mom who has never been married, you are not left out. All of this information can be applied to any relationship that you have to make it even better. Because while at Marriage Helper, our mission is to keep families together, to save marriages, strengthen marriages, support marriages, to last a lifetime, we also know that ultimately a marriage consists of two people who both have free will. And at the end of the day, you can do everything right. And the other person can still choose to leave. And that doesn't lessen your worth or your value or what's going to happen to you in a future relationship. Our goal is still, how can we empower and equip people to have the best future relationships, hoping that they can save the one that they're in, but even if that ends up not happening, how can we make it better in the future? So could you actually do something today to change the future of your relationship? The answer is yes. Because there's actually a process to falling in love. It's something that we teach at Marriage Helper. It's We call it the love path. I'm not going to go into the love path today, but we know at Marriage Helper, there's a process to falling in love. If you follow the path, then you will fall in love or continue to fall in love. If you stop following the love path, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. Now there's a lot, there's four, there's four stages in the love path. As I said, I'm not getting into those today, but the bottom line of it is this, that love And a great marriage occurs when you start doing things to build love and you stop doing things that destroy love. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But here's the problem. We're not given a manual for how to do this. How many of you, when you think back to when you were dating your husbands, you think back to how you were on your best behavior all the time. Was this just me? Like I was 100% making sure I was well-dressed, had my makeup on, whatever he said to me, I was, I was that safe place. I listened, I was empathetic, I understood. And something was in that wedding cake. I don't know <laughs> if this was just mine or if you ladies experienced this, but me and my husband, 
That first year that everyone said was the honeymoon, maybe yours was. Mine was hell. It was hard. And I'll go into a little bit more of of what that looked like for us in just a minute. But I had to figure out real quick. And y'all, like my dad wrote the book on this. He is a marriage expert. He's a sexologist. That was super fun growing up at the dinner table. (laughs) But I, of all people, I should have known how to have a great marriage. But even when you know the things, you actually have to apply them. It's not just knowing it. It's doing it that makes the difference. So here's what we tell everyone. Every person that first comes to us at Marriage Helper, we say there are two things that you you can start doing today to change the future of your relationship. Just two things. The first thing you need to understand for both of these things, though, is that the only person that you can control is you. I have tried to control my husband. It does not work well. His mother said that he was highly trainable. I think I disagree because it has not worked at all. The only person you can control is you. I actually looked up the definition for control because I don't think a lot of people actually know what it means. It means to determine the behavior. So if I am going to determine my behavior, I can only do it in two ways. I mean, there's actually a lot. But when it comes to what I'm talking to talking about today, I can determine my behavior of how I focus on myself. It's the first thing I'll talk about quickly. And then I can determine my behavior of how I communicate with my husband. The last time that I was here, I talked about that first step of the love path, the first step to falling in love. And it's this process that we call attraction. I'm not going to talk about it today because it, it has its own 20-minute speech that I could go into. But the basic premise of it is when we fall in love with someone, it typically starts because we are attracted to them. And it doesn't have to be physically. It could be, it could be physically. A lot of times it is. But sometimes it's intellectually. We connect with them on similar interests. We love to talk to each other about things. It could be emotionally. We love the way that we feel when we are around them. They make us, they evoke emotions within us that we enjoy feeling and we want more of that. It could be spiritually that we share similar beliefs and values and we want that person in our life because they encourage us to be a better version of ourselves. We call it the pies at Marriage Helper, the pies of attraction. And what we tell people, number one, when you're wanting to make your relationship better, is work on becoming the best you that you can be in all four of those areas, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And here's what that does. When we look at research, we see that there is actually a correlation now and actually a causation. Now, this is important because a lot of times in research, you'll, you've, if you know research, you know the term correlation does not mean causation. There was actually a correlational causation study done that showed when individuals focused on self-enhancement and self-improvement, it directly caused an increase in relationship satisfaction. So how can we say that without all of the jargon that the people use that have PhDs behind their name? It means that when I work on becoming the best I can be, my marriage becomes better. It's going to have an effect. So the first thing we tell people to do is that. It also helps get their mind off of all of the crazy things going on in their relationship and focus on the only thing they can control, which is themselves. The second thing that we encourage people to do, is, which is where I'm going to park today, is to change the way that we communicate. 
to determine our behavior, show up better in our conversations, stop fighting so much and start actually listening a little bit more. And I'm actually going to share with you what we at Marriage Helper call smart communication, not stupid communication, which I have been a victim of and done myself very many times, but smart communication. It's actually an acronym. I'm going to go through it and, and you'll have points to leave to remember with each time. But we know that communication is one of the first things to break down in a marriage. So when my husband and I were dating, we were actually dating long distance. He was in flight school in Fort Rucker, Alabama, to be a helicopter pilot for the United States Army. And the week after we got engaged, which we got engaged the day before my birthday, we actually got engaged the day before my 21st birthday, which my dad liked to tease me and say, you gave up your freedom before you ever even had it. But But we got engaged the day before my 21st birthday. And then the next week he got orders to South Korea. And so we had to make a decision. He was leaving in January. He was leaving in in about a month and a half. And we had to make the decision, do we wait until you get back, which could be a year or two, or do I go with you? I love a good adventure. So we decided to rush our wedding up. I mean, even though he proposed in November, y'all know I was planning it since May. So we rushed our wedding up. We got married within a month. I was a junior in college at the time. I transferred to a school in Korea. I left my job. I was a missions director at a local church. I left my friends. I left my family. We moved literally halfway halfway around the world where I knew nobody. This was our first year of marriage. Now y'all are thinking, yeah, I'm realizing how, why, and how this was so hard, right? We didn't know anyone And on top of that, I had no car, I didn't speak the language, I had no way to get around. And my husband, I mean, we didn't even have a honeymoon. We literally got married, went to Korea, and he started working his first job, full-time job in the Army as a helicopter pilot, and he was stressed out. And here's what I realized about my husband after dating for 10 months, long distance, I didn't realize he was an introvert. Yeah, just let that sink in for a minute. And I'm an extrovert. So he's gone all day, working, stressed. He's working 12 to 14-hour days. And I'm at home just waiting, just waiting for that human being to come in the door so that I can have fun, so that I can have someone to talk to and tell all about my day. And I learned to cook. It was insane. I did all of these things in Korea. And he would come home. And he wanted quiet. (laughs) Y'all, I could not understand this. It did not compute with me. So he would say, I just need alone time. What do you mean you need alone time? I just moved all the way around the world. I know nobody. I'm having to learn to bake my own bread. And you need alone time? Yes, I just need alone time. Please leave me alone. Uh, I was not about to leave him alone. I was following him through that house. He would shut doors. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I am standing out here. I need people because here's what I was feeling. You don't love me. I just made the biggest decision of my life. I followed you here because I love you and you don't love me. He was feeling... (laughs) 
Like I didn't love him because I would not give him time or space and just let him decompress so that he could show up and be his best self, so that he could be present and there with me. But what ended up happening was we fought about everything all the time because it became a habit. He would come in. He was expecting me to get on to him for wanting to have, for wanting to spend time with him, which wasn't bad. It's okay. I have needs and wants that I did not express well. He had needs and wants, but we were not seeing eye to eye with each other. I was heels dug in on my wants and needs, heels dug in on his, and for a a year and a half, it was constant fighting. And when we fight like that, it's hard to have intimacy in the rest of your relationship. Because you expect that same kind of behavior, that same kind of name-calling and attacking and criticism and all of those things to show up in the other parts of your relationship as well. And you don't want to share about the difficult things that are happening at work like he was experiencing because was I a safe place? He didn't know. Would I actually listen to him? Was I, was I just going to berate him or tell him how he wasn't doing that right either? What we found, what I found, even though I had all of the list in my head of everything he needed to do to change, and he had all the list in his head of everything I needed to do to change, what we really needed to do was lean in, change the way we communicated to where we were actually listening, understanding, meeting each other's needs, and realizing we were a team, not enemies. So here's the process. Here's the smart contact that we talk to people about. The first one, the S, stands for stop pushing and start softening. Stop trying to determine the other person's behavior because you can't. You can only do yours. You can only control your behavior. I was trying to get my husband to be an extrovert like me. I was trying to tell him what to do, when to do it, how to do it, without listening in, leaning in, and trying to understand what he needed. So basically, when you are trying to get your way more than trying to help someone else get what they need while you also get what you need, that means you're pushing them. So instead of trying to push your way and push the person away in doing that, try to begin to pull the person towards you through emotional connection, start softening, realize that there are two sides and that your way may not always be the only way, may not always be the best way. The second one is to manage expectations. So there was a woman that that one of the people on our team worked with several years ago who who had a list of expectations that she had for her husband. uh, There were 50 of them. To which we said, God only has 10. And you, you're listing out all of these things that you are wanting your husband to do. At that point, it's not just expectations, it's control. One of the things we need to do is manage, ask ourselves, are my expectations realistic? In my mind, before we went to Korea, it was, it was every night, like game night and date night, every night, it's like having sleepovers with your best friend every single night, right? Like that's probably not the most realistic expectation of marriage, but that is the one that I went into it with. And what's even worse than that is I never said it. I never said to my husband, 
here's what I'm expecting. Is this, can we do this? And seeing if it was even possible, seeing if there was a a conversation we could have to both get on the same page. The pastor at the church we go to, he did a sermon a couple of weeks ago, which my husband and I still use to this day, and I think it's a new part of our marriage. He it was all about expectations and how we need to clarify them, how we need to say them, how we need to talk about them. And so now I'm even at the point where before I go and talk to my husband about something, I say, okay, I just need you to listen because I'm about to vent for like 15 minutes. So go get whatever you need to, like make yourself comfy on the couch. I don't need you to fix it. My expectation for this conversation is please just listen. And we've both started doing that. It's a new way we can we can communicate better. We can let out those expectations on the front end. So manage your expectations, make sure they're realistic, but also state them. I love I love this uh, quote from Mother from Mother Teresa. She says, as much as it depends on you. Never let anyone leave you until they are better than when they came. What if we applied these conversations to the most important earthly relationship in our life, which is the one with our husbands? The A stands for approach with curiosity. There's a lot of interesting research that have been coming out in the past five to 10 years about this emotion of curiosity and how in the presence of curiosity, it's difficult to have anxiety, It's difficult to be angry. It's difficult to have a lot of these negative emotions because curiosity is a very open emotion. It's looking for new things. It's seeing, it's seeking to understand more. And Brene Brown, if any of you are familiar with her book, Daring Greatly, it's absolutely amazing. Her research on shame and vulnerability is, is fantastic. She, she says the way that we can lean in better in our relationships is to approach them with curiosity. I was having a conversation with Dr. John Gottman, who is the leading researcher in marriage and divorce for the past 40 years. And I was having a conversation with him just a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him, what is the number one thing that you would say to people, do this for a great marriage? And he said, I would tell them, never stop being curious about your spouse. You're never going to know everything. And even when you're married 40, 50 years, still wake up every morning asking yourself, what can I learn more about my husband? And I love that picture of just approaching your husband with these bright eyes and and this wonder and this excitement of how can I learn more about this person that God has put in my life and cherish them and accept them. And when we are fighting, we're not curious. When we're fighting, we have made up our decision. We have our heels dug in. But how does it change when instead of trying to push your way, you try and understand theirs? Approach with curiosity and remember to listen. When I was getting my degree in marriage and family therapy, One of the first things that we learned was when you are in a room with a client, if you have already prepared your question back to them or your answer back to them before they are done speaking, you're not listening. There should be a pause so that it may take you 5, 10, 15 seconds 
to understand and download their information before you repeat anything back because you were listening that intently? What would it look like to listen that intently to our husbands? And you may be thinking, but what would it look like for my husband to listen that intently to me? (laughs) What it looks like is modeling it, showing it. It will be harder before it gets easier, but it really does begin to change the cycle of communication in the marriage. And it can start with only one person doing it. And then remember, you are on the same team. Your husband is not your enemy. I, this is, I say this all the time to people, to myself. I remind myself of this. If any of you are familiar with the DISC profile, my husband and I are both very high Ds, which means we're high dominance, which means we're very stubborn and we're very loud and we're not very easy to change our ways. (laughs) So we fight a lot, but that's okay. Because even when we look at the research from Dr. Gottman, it, he even says that 69% of issues that couples fight about will never be solved. Hmm. Aren't you glad you came to mom life today? <laughs> 69% will never be solved. But here's the thing. They don't have to be. Because it's not the conflict that causes problems in the marriage. Conflict is actually healthy. It is healthier in a marriage when two people are able to both express their views, their ideas, their wants, their opinions, even if they never agree. The goal isn't about agreeing. The goal is about respecting each other, even in your disagreements. The goal is about being able to lean in even when it can be hard. And the goal is about how you recover from conflict. When you're able to come back together and show the other person, I still love you, I still respect you, and I still accept you, and not just say it with your words, but show it with your actions, then that is what makes a healthy relationship. You're never going to agree about everything. But you don't need to. And you wouldn't want to. Then you'd be married to a clone of yourself. But when you remember that you're a team, he's not your enemy, He's on your side. You're on his side. How would you approach things differently? So what about Petra? These are the exact same things that I shared with Petra. She'd already been working two years to try and get her husband to come home. She began applying these things, and I will never forget where I was standing. I was in an elevator in McAllen, Texas, and it was in September when I got the text message from her that said, he's coming home. He's flying back. We're making this work. We're going to reconcile. And now Petra is one of our coaches at Marriage Helper, and Richard is on board with it as well. He's come to three workshops with her, and he has been very open about his side of the story and and how he ended up changing because of seeing the change within her. So can one person fix a marriage? They can definitely start. They can definitely start doing the things to build love and stop doing the things that destroy love. If you want to get a free ebook about smart communication, then be sure that you click the link in the show notes where you can go and download that ebook. And it'll give you the bullet points of what I covered in today's episode. 
If you want more resources specifically about your marriage, then be sure to head over to marriagehelper.com slash hello, where I will give you some free resources there. We have a free mini course. There's also links to go to the Marriage Helper YouTube page, as well as Marriage Helper's Relationship Radio podcast and our new Marriage Helper podcast, which is our Quick Tips podcast, which is some quicker, more short form relationship advice. This podcast, It Starts With Attraction, is a part of the Beam Network of Podcasts, which is about all things relationships. Right now, we have three podcasts, mine, It Starts With Attraction, as well as Relationship Radio and the Marriage Helper Quick Tips. But we will be adding more podcasts into that network because we believe that the beam of hope is what the world needs right now in relationships. Plus, it was my maiden name. I still love that name. It's a perfect name. Beam of light, beam of hope, beaming joy are all the things that come to mind. So go check out marriagehelper.com slash hello. But the big question and big takeaway is what are you going to do to make a difference in the relationship that you have that's struggling the most today? Hope you had some takeaways from that episode, from the speech that I gave. And hey, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review of this podcast and if you would share it with a friend who needs it. There's no better way to spread hope than by spreading messages of encouragement and tools that people can use to start making a difference in their lives today. See you next week.